A music producer's expertise and insight can take an artist to a whole new level. One of the best-known producers in the business is undoubtedly Aaron Sprinkle. Aaron, thanks for joining in with The Antidote. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. So you recently moved from Seattle to Nashville. So I guess you moved from one large music center to another. But why the switch? Well, that's not the easiest question to answer, actually. But it was just kind of time for a change for me. I've been doing Seattle my whole life. Um, at least the area. I grew up in the Northwest and, you know, cut my teeth and in the music business there. And I started coming out here to do stuff uh, more and more and kind of fell in love with it. And, and my wife already had some friends out here and my kids liked it. So it just was something we thought we would try. And so far, it's been really good. Great. For those who aren't aware, can you give us a rundown as to what the duties of a record producer are? Well, that is a really good question. Um, I get asked that quite a bit from people, or I have been over the years, and uh, it really varies depending on the project, for one thing. But really, the main thing is, as a producer, I am responsible for the record. Especially if anything goes wrong, it's definitely (laughs) my fault. Uh, If things go right, there's a lot of people waiting to take credit for it. But uh, if they go wrong, (laughs) kind of the buck stops here. So for me, what that looks like, you know, there's traditionally there's a lot of different ways that people produce. I tend to be, from what I've seen and heard about and experienced myself as an artist, I tend to be more along the hands-on side of things. Um, I'm a recording engineer and a musician and a songwriter. And really, it's kind of me taking those three things and bringing them together with the artists that I'm working with. And all, all I'm really trying to do, for the most part, is help the band or the artist I'm working with achieve their vision or their goal, or our vision or goal, too, depending I mean, I usually share the vision with them, but, you know, I see them as the client. For me, it's a thing that just happened naturally. It's something I I love and I just do it. So breaking it down and and describing it's really interesting uh, for me to kind of process. But for me, I can tell you what it is. It's everything from working with the band on getting a song ready to record to, you know, deciding if the kick drum sounds right for that song or moving a mic or, you know, holding something in a certain way so it sounds a certain way while the band plays it or whatever, you know, just anything that I have to do to make the end product be what we all want it to be. Do you ever find that bands sort of have a skewed concept of what they're trying to achieve? Yeah, it, it's funny because a ton of what I do is not musical. It's it's psychological, especially if, with a singer or it, really anybody, a drummer, a guitar player, whatever. Uh, what I want is their best performance. And in order for them to, to give me their best performance, they have to be in the right mindset. And usually the trouble that I run into in that particular area is with younger bands or bands that haven't you know made a record or worked with a producer before. Because you always have an idea of what something's going to look like before you walk into it. That's just how we're wired as people. And so sometimes a band will come in and they have this idea of what it's going to look like and it's very different. And then they're kind of like, what's going on? 
But for the most part, I think even if their expectations are different from how it ends up turning out, I haven't really had experiences where people were unhappy with the process or the end result for the most part. I mean, obviously, I've been doing this a long time and have made hundreds of records, so there's exceptions <laughs> for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thrown your hands up in the air and said, that's it, I can't do anything with this band? In Inside of my head, I have done that many <laughs> times. But... <laughs> I mean, I've definitely gotten in situations with bands. It's, again, pretty rare, but there has been situations where I was really going to stand my ground on a particular issue, and so were they, and we butt heads, and we have to kind of agree to disagree, and someone has to bow out at that point. But I've been really fortunate, especially in the last 10 or 12 years, to work with people that I'm really excited about working with and people that I've had a chance to get excited with before even entering the studio. Um, mm -hmm. And to ch really choose, you know, who I work with and why I'm, I'm going to work with them. It's one of my goals is to avoid that situation completely of where I have to say, I can't do anything with you. You know, we have to just be done. So I've managed to avoid that, at least at least for the last 10 or 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, counter to that last question, which of your efforts are you most proud of? That That's also a tough question. I mean, there's different things I like about different records I've worked on. You know, all the way from, you know, just being there and getting to be involved with Pedro the Lion's Control record was Mm -hmm. Such a, it's just such an amazing memory, and I feel you know David and I go way back, and I've known him since he was a little kid, like fourteen or fifteen, and just learning so much from him in that process, and just kind of getting to be there. And I love that record, and I can listen to that record as a fan. There's a a record I did called Phantoms with a band Acceptance um, that is still one of my favorites I've ever worked on. That was just one of those records where everything thing clicked there wasn't all the ideas that were bouncing around were in harmony with each other and it worked out really well there's a couple records i've done that i always bring up when asked this question and that's uh joan zetta's second record called cruel to be young which is just one of my favorite records i've ever had the pleasure of working on and is one that i listen to and really kind of am amazed that i was there working on that too it's a really unknown record, but it's one of my favorites. And uh, another unknown is, is a record by an artist named Corey Crowder. Oh, yeah. Called uh, Gold uh, and Sand. And uh, that's a really good one, too. But I'm also always the most excited about whatever is the newest thing that I'm working on <laughs> as well. So, Well, you brought up the topic, so what is the latest project? Um, right now, I am pretty much just working on finishing my solo record that I've been trying to finish for almost two years now. Um, m mainly due to an injury that I had in December. I slipped and fractured my ankle and uh, dislocated it as well and had to have surgery and still haven't been able to walk on it since then. And uh so I've been kind of a little bit secluded. I can't drive and I can't walk. <laughs> so um, I moved some of the gear from my uh, studio home and have been working on pretty much just working on finishing up my solo record. And it's been really cool. It's been a cool opportunity for me to be able to focus on it. Um, 
was the reason my own music always takes so long to finish is because I'm working on other people's stuff and I just get little chunks of time here and there to do it. I've got some stuff coming up that I'm really excited about that's going to come out uh, this year. I got to work on uh, a few tracks on the new Reliant K record that I'm really, really excited mm. about. And uh, I have a song that I did with a band called One Republic that's coming out um, next week. That's pretty much all I have really coming up. I've got some other projects in the works that I can't really talk about. Or I, can't, I could, but I don't, I don't like to talk about stuff and, and, until it's solidified. What you were saying before is that basically it takes a major injury for you to have time to work on your own music. I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never really thought of it that way, but I guess so. Yeah. How about we go back and talk about you brought up Joan Zetta. Yeah. Now, I got to admit, I first heard Joan Zetta prior to the band being signed to Tooth and Nail. Mm hmm. And I was telling everybody that Joan Zetta was going to be the next great band in indie rock. Mm -hmm. You know, I really felt that tracks, you know, as they recorded as an independent, were really significantly better than the sort of lackluster uh, release popularity. Yeah. But then, so you took over the reins as producer on the next album on Cruel to Be Young. Yeah. So what kind of change happened on that album? The band came to me with just a new vision of what they wanted to do. I think they felt like they kind of had done a thing and kind of got pigeonholed, you know. Mm -hmm. And when they kind of had a couple years and they looked back and they were like, we don't really want to do that. We want to do this. Um, and then we made that record. You know, I just kind of was like, cool, let's do it, you know. And their fans... I don't know. People didn't respond very well to it because it really sounded like a different band. And maybe they should have even changed the name of the band. Maybe that would have been a really good idea <laughs> to just rebrand the whole thing, you know? It was significantly different. Yeah. But it was them. I mean, really what they wanted. I mean, they came to me with a very clear vision of what they wanted to do. And um, I just had a blast helping them realize it and being a part of it. Talking about your producing role, I was talking with Ryan Clark of Demon Hunter just mm -hmm. a few weeks back, and he told me that you've been asked by other metal bands to be their producer, but your response has always been, I don't produce metal. Yeah. So what's the special connection between you and Demon Hunter that you know, will produce their music? I mean, I think the band wants to adopt you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, there's some real um, deep connections with them. I mean, Ryan and Don, when he was in the band, um, and even Pat and Yogi, I mean, and my brother was in the band at one point. Um, but, you know, they're really good friends. Like, Ryan is a very good friend of mine. And uh, I don't know, I just, I have a connection with him on a musical, artistic sort of level, really outside of anything metal. His um, taste in music is just incredible and diverse, and he's somebody that I kind of even go to sometimes. Like, what what are you listening to right now? What's what's cool? What what's going to be the next big thing that no one's heard of yet? And um, I think the fact that what he wants me to do on those records is really fun for me, and and it's fun for me too to kind of learn about the metal thing because I'm not I'm not really a metal guy at all, and. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up hearing it and listen. My brother's a total metal guy, so I, I heard it all the time. And I, <laughs> I experienced it, but 
there's something different about those records to me. There's something really fun and exciting. I have a blast making those records. And there's challenges that I really love about getting the record to sound the way that, that they want it to sound is a challenge for me. And it's exciting. But then the stuff that they, you know, they love, like I, you know, I do all of the programming and the keys and, you know, Ryan really trusts me with, you know, the the melodic vocals to be there for for that kind of stuff. And uh, just overall kind of production, making sure the song is in a format that will stay true to what they're trying to do, but also be something maybe even a little bit more of a, a broad demographic than a typical metal song would have. So that's fun for me. I love pushing the limits of anything. Trying to stay in the box, but just really push the limits of that box. What about Christian musicians? Do you find they often get sandwiched into a box, into something that's pre-expected and can't branch out of that? Yeah, Definitely. I mean, I think culturally and I mean, the the business of it goes hand in hand with the culture. But there's definitely, you know, expectations, which but that's changed so much since I started, you know, playing Christian music as in a band in the early 90s. That whole thing has changed. And Tooth and Nail has a ton to do with that to me, like almost the most to do with how that's changed. You know, in the in the straight up like kind of contemporary Christian music world, it's definitely a lot different from that. The Christian side that I've spent most of the time working in is is different than that. But um, but still, you know, there's still expectations. I mean, of what can and can't be said or done. But I think musically, anything goes nowadays. I mean, I think you could do whatever. I guess I should be clear when I'm speaking about Christian artists, because I guess I have a broader definition than most people. Mm -hmm. Typically, actually, with me, it's Christians who are producing music, Mm -hmm. not who are trying to do a dedicated message. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the antidote definitely doesn't fit into the CCM mold, because I really don't play any CCM. Yeah, well, I mean, CCM to me is, is a genre of music. It is. And and it's one that I have worked in a, a little bit and almost in the same way that uh, with Demon Hunter, really, like I've worked with some artists in the CCM world that I really like as people and I get along with and we have a mutual respect and we know why we're working together, you know. Um, but for the most part, I don't really look at music from that point of view. Why I do what I do is about people. The reason I love music is because it connects with people. People connect to each other through it, and I get to connect to people through it. And the people that I get to work with on these records become my best friends, like my dearest friends. Honestly, I can't think of any really close friends that I have that haven't been a result of music. And I happen to be a Christian, and that's the most important thing to me in my whole life. And so I'm naturally going to connect with other people within the music scene that share those same feelings. And uh, I love the community of it. That's the thing that's the most exciting to me. It is cool that way. The connection between bands just of varying genres and styles and because they are Christians, yeah, they make that special connection. Yeah. Even with myself and going to Cornerstone and hanging around with guys that are 20. And (laughs) yeah, you're totally accepted just because, yeah, you're another Christian, you're another music fanatic, and why not? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean... It's such a cool thing. I mean, I could go into pretty heavy into my kind of theology about music and art and stuff, but... um, Then do so. 
This is actually a good part of the show is that we actually tried to discuss, yeah, the connection between faith and art in music, because sometimes music doesn't have a lot of art. Yeah, and I and the thing I love about music is I love crafting an infectious pop song just as much as I like doing something really outside the box and artistic. And to me, it's all art because it's all expression and it's all connecting with something that's in all of us that attracts all of us. And I, I really think that it is just a direct result of us being made in the image of God and that he is the ultimate creator and creative. And he put that in us for us to enjoy and because he enjoys it. And it's a way that we can connect with each other. When I'm working with a band, there's no better feeling to me in the studio than when something clicks and something comes together, whether it's me helping the band, um, you know, uh, see a vision to fruition or it's an idea that I had. And then they get so excited and they just are like, you know, bouncing off the walls. And I mean, that to me is the most exciting thing ever, you know, when I'm working. And uh, that is that connection of creativity because that get, that's, it's infectious. If we're excited about it, if we're having fun making it, people are going to have fun listening to it. And it's going to connect them with the joy and love of God. That's how I look at it. I mean, we're here for, uh, among other things, to enjoy what God has given us and created for us and, and, and to enjoy each other. And music is just, to me, one of the best ways to do that. Well, let's go back to the old days of Aaron Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Your first really big shot at music was with Pearl Lou, yeah. which recorded back through the 90s. Yep. Now, the band had a really devoted, almost fanatical following, but commercially it never really took off. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, when I at the time, you know, I was a teenager and in my early 20s and, you know, just thought every day, maybe today we're going to blow up and be the next big thing. But looking back on it, we didn't have anything that would have necessarily worked on a big scale. I feel like I can talk about Poro Lou from a completely objective point of view because it was so long ago, I don't even really remember it that well. <laughs> so I can't really take <laughs> any credit for it right now. But I think the cool thing about what we did is we ended up being a band that seems that, like, like you said, has a really devoted following. We didn't just have a song that people knew and they're like, who was that band? Oh, yeah. Our, our fans knew every word of every song that we ever did. And there's something really special about that. And also seemed to have a lot of fans that were other musicians. And that's also something that I really cherish, you know, and uh, just feel really blessed to have been an, a part of. You know, people say that we were influential and that we were ahead of our time and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about that, but... What I do know is that that music that we made then and the experiences we had were part of our journey to where we are today, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. You know, I wouldn't be here right now getting to do what I do if it wasn't for that. Okay, let's draw it a little closer to today's age. Your band Fair is also highly regarded. You know, you've done a pair releases, the best worst case scenario and disappearing world. Mm -hmm. What's the future of Fair? Well, I don't know for sure. We did start talking this fall about doing another record. It's one of those things where right now I'm trying to finish a solo record that I, you know, have been working on for a long time and really needed to do. It's just interesting when there's a band like this where we all have lives outside of the band. We don't need to make a record so we can tour it. We don't need to make a record so we can pay our bills. I mean... (laughs) 
we wouldn't be able to pay our bills from there. That's for dang sure. But um, unless maybe we were single, all living in the same apartment together. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it has to kind of make sense and it has to happen, right? But I've been talking to Eric, who's the other um, songwriter and guitar player in the band and, and you know, the other guys too. And we, we kind of have some sort of idea of what it would look like to make another record and we all have expressed that we would love to do that. So it's just going to be um, a matter of all the pieces falling into place for that to happen. Well, I'm a bit of a fan of Fair myself. Oh, thank you. I think the only negative with that is the name of the band. It's the hardest thing to say. You can't say Google Fair. I have always had this thing about, I don't know, I lo- that's one of the reasons that I wanted to use that name is because I can't even really think of another word in the English language that has more definitions than the word fair does. And it's such a common thing. You can't just type fair. If you type fair band in, you get like bands that play at fairs and stuff. (laughs) So it's, I love that about it. Um, I think it's funny. I don't know. I've named records things like lackluster and the best worst case scenario and things like that. So I, I get a kick out of things like that. Yeah, your solo efforts. Yeah. Was it Moon Traveler and Lackluster? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best one is is my other band, Rose Blossom Punch. We had an EP that was supposed to come out on Jackson Rubio Records, that, and the label went under before the record came out. And we'd already named the record, Sorry to Disappoint You. <laughs> and <laughs> and it never came out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty awesome, actually. It's really funny. <laughs> Whatever drove you to really switching from performing to producing music? That is a really easy question. I I started recording friends bands right out of high school because I thought it was fun. The reason I even learned how to record music at all was just basically to record Poor Old Lou and the other stuff I was doing even when I was younger, stuff with Jeremy Enoch that I that we did in sixth and seventh grade and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um and then when I graduated from high school, I, I got to use this studio at my church. Um, and then bands sort of found out that, you know, that I could record stuff and I started doing that. And then one day I kind of really realized, like, I would way rather be in here than out there. This is my element. This is what I love. And that kind of anything can happen creative environment where the your palette is unlimited, you know. And I just fell in love with it. I did it for so many years without ever making really any money doing it. I mean, I just can't not do it, you know, and uh, it was I was crazy to keep doing it. And at some points so I got married really young and had a kid really young and my wife, God bless her, stuck <laughs> stuck with me through the whole thing. <laughs> but um, at one point I realized pretty young because I, I really thought that being in the band was my my profession and then recording and producing was a hobby. And um, and then one day I, I really realized that I'd actually really never made any money being in a band and I'd actually kind of started paying my bills recording people. So I guess it was the opposite. Really embrace the idea of what success is to, you know, when you're young and you have dreams of being a rock star and, and touring the world and stuff. And then when you just get a little bit older and have some responsibilities in your life and you realize that if you just get to do what you love and can pay your bills, then 
that's really as successful as you ever need to be, <laughs> you know? So, And wives especially like it when you're paying the bills. Yeah, and they do. And, and also, really, touring was tough for me. I'm not someone that does well being away from my family for long periods of time. Some guys can do it, and they're, it's fine, but I just I, I can't do it. You know, the entire music industry really is still in a state of upheaval. Our major labels fold, boutique labels are moving forward, and artists self-produce and promote their own music. So I need you to give us a prophetic view on where you see the whole music industry heading. I've, you know, obviously talked to people and thought and about this for hours and hours and had hundreds of conversations and... I don't know exactly what music's going to look like three years from now, really. But I do know that people need music. You know, need's a strong word, but they do. And if people can't make music, then people won't have it. And I just really feel like it's going to work itself out. I honestly think some of the problems that are happening right now are due to... I'm trying to be really sensitive. Um, I guess some of the problems that the majors are having and stuff like that, I really think are inevitable. Mm Mm-hmm. Their business models and practices are archaic and they just don't work anymore. And, you know, you can talk about people stealing music all day long and stuff. And I personally don't condone that and I don't do it. And I pay for music in some form or another, whether it be buying a CD or a song on iTunes or listening to stuff on a subscription-based thing like Spotify or Audio or something, which even I'm not too sure about how I feel about that at the moment. But... The point that I'm trying to make is I believe that what we're going through right now are growing pains and the industry is just trying to adapt to a different way of doing things. People, especially, you know, younger people don't, they don't even care about owning music anymore. Not even a physical copy, even a digital copy. The The concept of possessing it is, isn't even a concept that some of them understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't have a reference point, you know what I mean? And they don't even have a reference point of paying for music. Like, it wouldn't even occur to them that it would be wrong to not pay for music. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not mm-hmm. even a moral issue. And that isn't anybody's fault. It's just the way technology is advanced. And I just believe that it's going to work out. I'm really optimistic. I actually am a huge technology person. I love technology. I love the fact that bands can record themselves. I love the fact that, you know, half the guys in bands I work with now already know how to use Pro Tools before they've ever made a record with me. And I, I think it's killer. Because I think what it does is it it gives, if you put those tools into people's hands, they're going to get more creative. Things are going to get more exciting, in my opinion. I mean, I work in a lot of non-traditional studio spaces in a lot of just pretty basic gear that, you know, an iMac and an interface and and a couple things, you know, and, uh, and make songs that are released on labels with that stuff. And to me, like, the whole thing... If we can shorten the distance between people having an idea and then being able to to realize that idea and then people being able to hear that, that's a good thing, ultimately. I just feel like if people really stop and think about what it is they're getting, I think everything's going to adjust. I'm not being super concise right now, but I, I believe everything will adjust and I believe that we can all be fine I mean, I have had to completely change the way I think about how I can make enough money to pay my bills doing this. But it's fine. I've never been, and and I'm not a rich person, but I don't really care about that, honestly. I just, as long as I can feed my kids and have a place to live and, and get to keep working with these awesome people that I get to work with, you know, that's great. 
No, I like that. Agree with that, too. Cool. If you could look at your career from a distance, would you see yourself as a songwriter, a musician, or a producer? I would have to go with songwriter. So the only reason I learned how to barely play the instruments that I play is so I could write songs. And the only reason that I can produce a record is because I can write songs. I don't think I would have ever learned to play an instrument, and I would have never even been able to produce a record if mm-hmm. I wasn't a songwriter. And to me, every it's all about the song. That's the most important thing. I can make a good song into something people are going to want to listen to with a couple 57s and, you know, a, an iPad if I had to. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a yeah. good song, it's a good song. And actually, an iPad probably pretty dang good compared to a lot of other stuff out there right now. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it's all about the song. And to me, that's what I've always tried to focus on the most uh, as a producer. Even when it comes down to the stuff that you would consider production, like guitar parts and keyboard parts and the length of the song, it's all about the song. It's all about featuring the good parts, which is the chords and the vocals and the lyrics. And if they're if those are good, how do you make them the most exciting for people to listen to? There's my long answer to your short question. This is The Antidote. We've been speaking with Aaron Sprinkle. Aaron, I realize how busy your schedule is, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope there was something worth listening to in there. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, it was fun.